The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. You can find them at highechelonCPA.com. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency, so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated and that clients should always get the experience they deserve, which includes top-notch accounting, tax and payroll services, timely communication, complete data flow, and the best automation and security. Book a call or drop them a line at their website, highechelloncpa.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude's state-of-the-art indoor training center, they are capable of simulating elevation up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons train in the hypoxic environment created at Elemental Altitude. I trained there several times myself ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuel you're burning at different training and racing intensities. Drop them a line at info at elementalaltitude.com if you have questions or you want to set up an appointment. Again, their website is elementalaltitude.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. Finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance's mission is to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and to find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. Thanks to all of our sponsors who help us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITO Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, High Echelon PC, and Elemental Altitude Training Centers. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor. I am psyched for the third year, fourth year in a row, to be bringing on Justin Dugan and Justin Smith 
to the podcast to preview our Tour de France. Justin, Justin, welcome back. Hey, hey George. So Justin Dugan and Justin Smith, we have with us someone who's never actually joined us on the Tour de France preview with Justin, Justin, fresh off of finishing all eight episodes of Tour de France Unchained, Michelle Frank, co-host of the Most Pleasant Session podcast. Woo! Woo, welcome. <laughs> yeah, I'm the uh, in-house expert, quote around expert. <laughs> she knows everything so, about last year's uh, eight teams. That's right. That's right. So. I know a shit ton about last year's Tour de France. <laughs> <laughs> and I read a little bit about the upcoming Tour de France. So awesome. I'm psyched to be here with you guys. Wonderful. Awesome. We're glad you're here too, Michelle. Um, Justin Dugan, man, it's uh, it, it hasn't been a full year since you've been on the podcast. We know a little bit of what you've been up to um, uh, since you were on here talking about our Ragnar Ultra Relay team, our winning Ragnar Ultra Relay team. Um, but uh, how you doing, man? What you up to? Uh, I'm great. I've been enjoying the summer. Uh, I had a half Ironman about a month ago and have been uh, riding that high for about a month and um, saw that I have to run the Peachtree Road Race in like two weeks yeah. and I'm not sure if I'm really ready to be back running <laughs> as fast as I can uh, pushing a human being uh, <laughs> through the streets of Atlanta. So um, I got to get my my you know what backing gear yeah i mean you're good man here we are on friday night the 23rd of june you have all the way until july 4th uh <laughs> that's plenty of time man Perfect. what's that yep. 11 that's... days that, oh yeah, yeah. oh you I'll can, bounce right you, back yeah you can whip yourself right into shape man no problem yep um justin smith it has been longer since you've been on the most pleasant exhaustion podcast how's your last year been man uh it's been pretty exciting you know um <laughs> Just uh, living the dream. I've uh, been pretty lazy the last couple months after I got my butt kicked at a uh, flying pig marathon. So I've got 11 days to prep to beat you at Peachtree and then <laughs> on to getting ready for the New York City Marathon. Yeah. Awesome. Very good. You've run New York City before, right? That is correct. That was my first marathon. Awesome. In 2019, cool. yeah. Very cool, very cool. Uh, Flying Pig's a great one, even though you didn't have your best race there. You and I both ran Houston, and several of those miles we put in together, as a matter of fact, in, in, during the Houston Marathon. We did, we uh, did. I caught. I think I caught up to you at, what, mile one? Early, yeah. Tried, yeah, tried to leave you after the halfway point for a few miles, and then baited pretty hard. <laughs> Bad idea. <laughs> in the event you want to you know run together at boston next year i will look forward to that well gentlemen and lady i am super excited to have our one yearly podcast is dedicated entirely to cycling even though thanks to netflix we did talk a great deal about cycling at least last year's tour on our podcast last week um as i just said we're recording this uh Friday the 23rd, Friday night the 23rd, the Tour de France doesn't start until Saturday, July 1st. Last year, Justin and Justin, didn't we record it like hours before the start? I don't know <laughs> if it was hours, but it was very close. It might have been. It was on, close. It was like the Wednesday or Thursday night <laughs> before. And I think we only did that because the previous year when we recorded it, it was maybe within a week till it started. And several people either crashed out or got right. sick or something and was like well not sure who uh <laughs> who's gonna win some of these races that i picked but you know we'll we'll just go from here 
Exactly. Exactly. I, I, I seem to remember that as well. And, and in fact, that's the reason why I bring it up is because uh, here we are eight days out and not every starting roster has been finalized just yet. Um, wow. And so uh, it is almost certain that we are going to say, hey, I totally think that so-and-so is going to win the polka dotted jersey and that person won't even be on the starting line. But uh, maybe we, we just skip that question altogether. Uh... <laughs> we probably can because the last three years, you know, the polka dotted jersey was also won by the yellow jersey winner. Um, and uh, I think it's probably likely that's going to happen again this year. So so yeah. you're right. Um, but yeah, it starts on July 1st in Bilbao, Spain, in the Basque country in Spain. The first three stages are all going to be there in Spain before returning to France. Notably, there's no rest day between the Spain and France transfer there. It's not a really long transfer since they're just going to be uh, in northern Spain there. Okay, hold up. Quick question. Didn't it start somewhere other than Spain last year? It did. Justin, and do you want was... to take this one? Um, No. <laughs> my my question is really was, wasn't it, it was, no it wasn't in denmark last it year. was in denmark of last course year it yeah. was in denmark yeah the tour de france route is not the same every single year um, okay they visit a lot of the same towns they visit a lot of the same mountains they go over a lot of the same mountains but but it's always a big deal in the fall when they announce what the tour de france route is going to be the following year because it's never the same um it's truly a tour of france every single year um, are so, any stages always the same no well almost the last stage so for the last not several, next year for the last i was, was going to say the last several years um the champs Elysees stage in paris the final stage has been similar um okay. it hasn't been quite the same because it started in different places every year um but the last several years it's finished with multiple laps around the champs Elysees uh in downtown paris um, but as Justin Dugan just said, they announced earlier this year um, that they're not going to finish that way next year. So the big prestigious sprint, the final sprint, you got to see Jasper Phillips and your new favorite rider, Michelle, uh, win on uh, Netflix's Unchained Tour de France. Um, uh, that's not going to take place in 2024. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Does Netflix sponsor the podcast yet? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, might as well. Um, so <laughs> since it is, I mean, since it does differ every single year, and that's actually uh, a good segue to kind of talking back to what this year's course looks like. Um, it's a uh, 3,404 kilometers this year. Um, there are eight flat stages, eight mountain stages with four summit finishes. Um, there's only one time trial. There's no team time trial, one individual time trial. That time trial itself is only 22 kilometers long, and it has a category two climb in the middle of it. Um, there are, of course, two rest days, one after stage nine and one after stage 15. Um, it is a balanced tour in the sense that it is going to be extremely hard from the start um, and extremely hard all the way up through the last stage, literally. Um, and it definitely favors climbers. Um, it hit, hits all five mountain ranges in France, uh, the Alps, the Pyrenees, the Massif Central, the Vosges, the Jura. Um, there are 30 climbs that are categorized two or higher. Um, that's seven more than last year, three more than 2021. No surprise then that the favorites are who the favorites are. Michelle, you had a question about rosters too, didn't you? 
Yeah, I was curious. I know a lot of times the rosters change last minute because people are injured or people crash out or people just don't have that level of fitness. But at what point do these guys, do they ever just like, okay, this is the roster and you guys sit on a trainer or just don't do anything stupid, just be safe for X amount of days? Because I I know you can crash out even just like on a training ride, probably. I mean, Mm -hmm. it doesn't likely happen like it might in a race, but... Is there it ever happened a point to where... Jumbo Visma's team like the week of the Giro d'Italia this year? They lost five of their guys the week before the race, and one of the guys got there at like two in the morning before the first stage of the Giro. So yeah, so that okay, so that's happen. perfect. Like, is there a protocol that once they name their roster, they have a way to like safeguard these guys so that they're healthy for the start? The short the answer to that is yeah. Go ahead. I, I would say that. Once they make that roster final, those guys are on a plane going to the Basque country and they're in the hotel monitored by the team. And if they're out on a training ride, they've got support cars with them and, you know, they're keeping them safe. Every team can name a long list. They basically can say so every team is allowed to have eight riders that actually take the start um, on the very first day of the Tour de France. And and teams are able to submit much longer rosters than that. I want to say it's like 12 or 13 names they can actually put on the roster. And okay. and on the day of the start, they can take any eight off of that 13 and start them. Now, once those people start, those are the people that have to continue. But but they literally could switch people out the night before if they wanted to. It's not likely because that's a crappy way to manage your team. Yeah. Um, but but they could do that if they wanted to. Most of the teams have been naming literally over the past couple of days. They, they, they've been making it clear who their people are. Um, and then some teams have been saying, we're taking this one person, but we don't know who else. Like UAE Emirates, they've said, we're taking Tade Pogachar, which is not a surprise to anyone, um, but they haven't actually totally announced who all else they're going to be bringing with them. So we'll see. Let's talk about stages first, then. Um, I just said they're going to be hopping right out the gate in Spain. Justin Smith, have you ever seen a harder first stage than the stage in Spain that did stage one? Uh, 10,000 feet of climbing, five categorized climbs, a three, a three, a three, a two, and a four. Um, it summits a hill called the Cote de Pike, um, which is two kilometers at 10% with 10K to go. It goes downhill, and then the final kilometer is 5% uphill into the finish. <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, those first two stages are pretty insane. And yeah. and I don't know, Justin probably has like the weather already, you know, <laughs> he knows the weather for the, the region, but if it's wet, that could be a, a dangerous Petrus. first couple of days. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. And um, four years ago, it had been a perfect Peter Sagan stage. It would have. So, it's, it's funny that you say that, Justin, and he is my dark horse pick for stage one and getting the yellow yep. jersey because nice. they, they referred to stage one as a puncher's delight. Uh, and it would be very fitting to see him off in his final year uh, as a professional road cyclist uh, wearing the yellow jersey for one day. That's a good point. Yeah, he was on the list of names of people that that I wanted to make sure we talked about because Peter Sagan from... Uh, Direct Energies, who has won, what, seven green jerseys over the course yep. of, of his his time, um, uh, is doing his last Tour de France, having announced his retirement here. Um, and that would be appropriate, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and it would George, be pretty I actually, cool. I think he's going to mountain biking. I don't think he's retiring from cycling. 
Mm -hmm. um, but he's, I believe, retiring from road cycling. All right. Very good. Very good. Um, I, I definitely think that it's it's suited to that sort of rider. Um, my pick for stage one would be Julian Alaphilippe, um, mm -hmm. assuming that he makes the start. Um, everybody is sort of assuming that. Um, but of course, he was very notably left off the team, as Michelle can tell you, last year. Um, but uh, but 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 we'll see. Um, and I would love to see him. Him. I think that would be a real sort of uh, glorious return to the Tour de France and sort of signaling the end of the last hard year plus that he's had. Um, uh, if he was oh, yeah. able to to pull off a win and pull on the yellow jersey there at the end of stage one. Um, but one way or another, one thing is clear. You got to be in shape on day one. <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, totally. <laughs> um, when I first There's started no riding watching, into it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When, when I first started watching the Tour de France 15 years ago, the first six stages were all flat. And yeah. so you kind of showed up out of shape. Um mm -hmm. Uh, sprinters need to show up ready to sprint lead out trains needed to be pretty well dialed in but but if you were a gc contender you needed to be undercooked at the starting line and then you got in shape and then you had to get ready for a really really hard week two and a, a devastatingly hard week three um, it's the opposite you have to be ready from day one uh, one particular analysis i read said that you don't go more than two days in this tour de france without having some sort of stage that could shake up the general classification um yeah that's pretty so, cool why do you pick him for stage one um justin go for it uh he's he's a fantastic rider uh he he's a great climber because of his stature i mean he's not a big a big guy but he's very powerful he loves racing you know decent climbs he's a fantastic descender which they'll have to do several times um, and he he's not a sprinter or a climber, but he's he's like, you know, like I said earlier, he's a punchy rider uh, and, you know, it really suits his profile. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I also like um, uh, I'm going to screw his name up. Uh, Germay from uh, Intermarche. Biniam Biniam Germay. Yeah, mm -hmm. Biniam Germay. I think mm -hmm. he's uh, an interesting choice for stage one, too. I think so, too. Yeah. Uh, he's a rider watch. It's going to be his Tour de France debut, uh, the mm -hmm. Eritrean rider. Um, he won Gent, uh, Gent Wevelgum earlier this year. Um, he became the first black African rider to win a stage of the Giro last year. Um, and uh, and yeah, 23 years old, making his Tour debut this year um, is Biniam Germay. So uh, that, that, that's an interesting choice as well. He strikes me as a little bit more of a pure sprinter, but but he, he didn't win Gent Wevelgum. He hangs and, with the big boys. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think the obvious choice for for stage one is well, Van Arn. <laughs> that, that's my that's my pick. Yeah. yeah, I mean that that that's that's the safe bet. <laughs> yeah, not Matthew Vanderpool. So, or, I mean, that's a good point. He uh, doesn't. Matthew Vanderpool is going to have a little bit more freedom than Wout has because I believe Wout has even said that he's not going for the green jersey this year. He, he's he going did say to do he his did. job. But he said, but he said he is going for stage wins. And that yeah, and if he just win. happens to make it into green, you know, <laughs> winning yeah. a bunch of stages. Yeah. I think uh, my question is more grounded in: Are there riders that just really only have a good chance of winning the early stages, and so they will just go all in for that because they know that by the time they get to the end of the first week or the beginning of the second week, there's no way they're going to have the legs of like the best riders out there. Um, good question. And because why thing, wouldn't everybody just pick Walt Van Aert? Like, that's the obvious. 
Right. Um, I think that 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 um I think that's a good question. And one of the things I thought of as Justin Dugan was answering your question about why Peter Sagan um was that uh, I think another reason why is because Peter Sagan probably also thinks he can win stage one. Um, and he also thinks that would be a really cool swan song. And he also thinks that would be just a brilliant cap to his Tour de France career. And so sure. I'm willing to bet that he has been fixated on this stage. It's been on his training room wall for six months. Um, and so I think that's a big part of it. Everybody else, Wout Van Aert, Vinium Girmay, those guys, they're looking, yeah, it's stage one, but they also have several other stages probably circled in their route book that they're also sure. going to be targeting and trying to do well. Whereas I think I think Peter Sagan would be if he won stage one, his tour is he'd be good to go. A plus, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. Okay, that um, makes sense. So 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 I think that's a part of it too. Um, I, I remember hearing a and we're talking about Mark Cavendish more in just a few minutes. Um, I remember hearing an interview with Mark Cavendish. Did you just groan when I said Mark Cavendish, Justin Smith? <laughs> no, I'm excited to talk about him. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say. Um, uh, we're going to talk about more about Mark Cavendish here in just a minute, but I heard an interview with him one time in which he said there are only uh, three sprints where he went all out all year long in like 2011 or something like that, when he was just at the peak of his world beating powers. Um, and it was the year that he won the tour of Flanders um, or, or pardon me, uh, Milan San Remo. Um, and he said, Milan San Remo was one of them. Um, and, and the first stage of the tour was one of them. And he said, all the sprinters or everybody else sprints as hard as they possibly can in the first one, because you don't know what else is going to happen. You don't know what everybody else's yeah. form is. You don't know who's going to crash on stage. Like you don't know any of that stuff. Um, and so you need to go ahead and do it. And so I imagine a lot of people probably have that attitude as well. Like they want to go ahead and get that win. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, you can see Caleb Ewan is on the start list and uh, he'll probably crash into somebody on the first <laughs> sprint stage, take himself out for the tour, possibly take them out. So just yeah. don't go near him. Yeah, Caleb Ewan from Lotto Destiny. Um, uh, we will see. Uh, I did not have him on my list to talk about because I feel like that's been his biggest accomplishment in the Tour de France over the last little while is ensuring that other people don't make it to the finish line. Yeah. Um, so so yeah we will see um i i mean if nothing else to me i i like the fact that stage one is so epic because it like matches the excitement that we have for the tour to start yeah i agree you know? um and i think that's super cool um yeah. as opposed to just being like all right great and then they have some some kind of flat stage where they're all just like riding around and talking about nothing for four hours and then a bunch sprint you know yeah um, this yeah. is going to be a much more exciting and unknown way to, to begin the tour, which I think is cool. Um, Justin Dugan, knowing what a big fan you are of Tari Pogachar, do you think that Tari Pogachar is going to show up to be in shape for stage one? Well, being that he just trounced everybody in the <laughs> uh, time trial, his national championship time trials, I'm going to say he's probably looking pretty good. Mm. Uh, and I'm sure that... Um, the team behind him has been training their butts off too. So I, mm -hmm. I have a feeling that they're going to be, um, they're going to be challenging uh, Jumbo Visma this year. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Tade Pogacar crashed and broke his wrist in Liege, Baston Liege. Um, and then the Slovenian championships, that's the first time we've seen him in action yes. since then. Right. Yep. Cause he, he took, I think 
two weeks off the bike after the crash, you know, went on a vacation. I mean, obviously after he had surgery um, and then got back into training, you know, after two weeks completely off the bike, which for a guy like that is probably a very long time to not be on the bike. But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I have a feeling that he's back and he's hungry to mm -hmm. right some wrongs from last year. I feel like he is too. And knowing the way that he rides, I think that is going to be his demise. What is the Slovenian <laughs> competition like, though? Stout, okay, super stout. Well, the well, the other Slovenian, I, I'm I not mean, sure. it's, it's it's second it's only to the Tour race? de France. Yeah, <laughs> there was a time they were the two best riders in the world. So true, true enough, true enough. Yeah, the other the other Slovenian uh, just won the Giro <laughs> in what might have been the most exciting finish to a Giro d'Italia I've seen in years. Um, that of course, of course, being Primoz Roglic. Um, I feel like didn't I say last week that Primoz Roglic was Slovakian rather than Slovenian? Did you did? Yeah, and you were bad. corrected. My bad, my bad. Not by you on the podcast. I wasn't corrected. I was corrected by Justin Dugan on text afterwards. I almost dropped my phone while I was listening. <laughs> yeah, my bad, my bad. Of course it was. So sorry about that. Uh, uh, and my apologies, of course, to the country of Slovenia for forgetting who their stars were. Um, um, all right. Yeah. So uh, stage one will be super excited. Uh, there won't be a, a first sprint until stage three. Um, so both stage three and stage four are going to be the first sprints. Uh, stage three is on a motor or stage three is still in, in Spain. And then stage four is the first one in France. Uh, and that's on a motor circuit. It finishes with an 800 meter straight line to the finish, <laughs> oh um, which is uh, seems like it would make for a drag race. But I don't know. Those motor circuit stages always end up being kind of weird. I feel like um, uh, Justin Schmidt does Mark Cavendish get his 35th stage win and thereby surpass the stage record, stage win record held jointly by him and Eddie Marks this year. Okay, so if you remember two years ago. I do remember this. I predicted four stage wins and the green jersey. Yep. And I was laughed at. Yep. And he won four stages and the green jersey. Yep. So this year. And it was fantastic, Justin. And and was. and and I I even though I was totally wrong about it, I love seeing it. I, I, I've it, been a Mark. I've always been a Mark Cavendish fan. I've I've never been a Mark Cavendish hater, and I was super glad to see it. And I was yeah. happy to admit that I was wrong about that one. So my prediction for this year is he will get his record-breaking stage win on the last stage. On no stage green jersey. Stage. Yes, on stage twenty-one. On, yes. on the Champs Elysees. On the, the Champs Elysees. That Are would all the other guys kind of poetic as well. Wait for him. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, let's talk about the poetry of that. Because, like we said just a few minutes ago, the Champs Elysees sprint is not going to be a thing next year. And for all we know, this might be the last year of the Champs-Élysées sprint. This might be the end of the Champs-Élysées sprint finish that has been the standard for the last roughly 40 years. Um, how poetic would it be if the greatest sprinter of this generation, one of the greatest, if not the greatest sprinter of all time, Mark Cavendish, actually wins the final Champs-Élysées sprint stage of the Tour de France? And in amazing. so doing, 
sets the new record for stage wins in the Tour de France. Yeah, prediction. It's going to happen. <laughs> you can put money they, on it. They, they, throw the, they throw the word romantic around all the time. That would be a very romantic uh, cycling moment if that it would were be. to be the case. It would be. I think he's going very... to break the record on stage eight. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I'm sure that's, that that's if you were what, to ask. That's where my money is. Stage I'm, eight for Cav. I, I'm sure if you were to ask Mark Cavendish, he would probably prefer stage eight. <laughs> He, yeah. he would probably I mean, want to knock it out early and maybe not suffer through all of those 30 plus categorized climbs or 30 plus category but, two or higher climbs. But hey, right? he just, he did it at the Giro. Well, so. and that's what I was going to say. And so, so the Giro, I mentioned just a minute ago, it had one of the best finishes I've ever seen. Second to last tour, uh, second to last Giro stage, Primoz Roglic comes from behind and is just barely able to, to swipe away the pink jersey from uh, Geraint Thomas. Um, and exercising the demons if you will of the 2020 tour de france where he himself lost the yellow jersey on the second to last stage to tade pogachar um uh dropped his chain along the way did not get flustered uh continued on to win that stage by a healthy margin take the pink jersey and and wear that to the finish and then on the final sprint stage which they don't always have in the giro they kind of mimicked a little bit the the way that the the tour has always gone. They they rode into Rome. They had sort of a processional into Rome there. They did multiple circuits around the Colosseum. Um, and then Geraint Thomas himself, countryman of Mark Cavendish, um, uh, had just lost the pink jersey the day before, takes to the front and bolsters Mark Cavendish's lead out train uh, and and thereby ensures that Mark Cavendish himself is able to win the final sprint stage of the Zero d'Italia this year. I I was out of my seat. <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. I absolutely loved it. When Geraint Thomas went to the front to actually take a pull in his leadout train, I thought it was just such a romantic moment, Justin. I want to watch <laughs> that. Yeah. So how was, much do you think wonderful. Mark? How much do you think Mark Cavendish gave him for that? <laughs> i think he I gave him a big hug we all saw it yeah. on tv <laughs> the, those yeah. guys those guys have been olympic scenes. teammates no those those guys are buddies i yeah. i would do the they're, same they're thing tight. for anybody that i that i ride with or run with you know i'd i'd give it up for them in a hard i appreciate your saying that justin dugan i would do that for you too i wouldn't do it for justin smith but i'd do it for you <laughs> no you <laughs> I tried to do it for Michelle last year in the PC Road Race, but alas, she got sick. <laughs> not this year. Yes, I got COVID. So not this year. Not this year. Um, uh, yeah, I would. I would definitely like to see Mark Cavendish do that. Um, and and you know, the most romantic moments, the most poetic moments, are born out of like it would be so much more romantic if he hadn't broken the record and hadn't won a stage until the end. But boy, that's going to be a tense three weeks waiting for him to try and break that record. If, uh, if he doesn't end up doing it until the last stage, Justin. Yeah. Um, so we will see. We will see. Um, all right. First uphill finish is on stage six. Um, uh, they begin the Pyrenees in stage five. So not really a whole lot of time off. Um, uh, they have the those sprint stages in stage three and stage four after those two opening hard stages in Spain. Stage five, they go into the Pyrenees. Stage six, they have their first uh, stage hilltop, mountaintop finish. Uh, they go over the Col d'Aspan and the Col de Tourmalet, um, and then they finish on top of a first category climb there at the end of stage six. 
my question for you, Justin Dugan, um, is this the day that Tadej Pogacar blows up or are we thinking <laughs> that he's still going to be kind of in the mix and appearing to be kind of in shape and a contender on stage six? Uh, no, he's going to be quite the contender on stage six. I have a feeling, uh, based on watching a lot of other grand tour races and longer stage races, this is going to be one of those ones where they're probably going to let a breakaway go. Um, you know, the, the main contenders are going to have their eight man, hopefully still intact, you know, trains basically pulling them up all these climbs it's not going to be a bunch of guys with swords fighting it out up the climbs it's going to be methodical it's going to be i hate to say you know with the tourmalet in play um it's going to be boring these guys are just going to push pace up all the climbs wait for somebody to drop and then maybe attack the last you know 500 you know meters of the race and try and get some bonus seconds um, yeah. I don't I don't think we're going to see any really bombs getting dropped until um, the end or unless something major has happened. But see, I think that's what a wise team would do. Uh, and I think that's a team. That's what a team go, with a good go strategic leader would do. A good strategic leader would, would have his team ride like a good, solid tempo, make it hard, but not devastating. Tadej Pogacar is not a good strategic sure. leader. Um, and, and so I, and and this is the reason why I never much liked him, which is not a secret. Um, um, but I can totally see him wanting to like lay down a marker and really show everybody who's boss there in stage six, um, and, and, and winning stage six, um, and being super impressive. Everybody like, wow, Toddy Pogacar is back and that sort of thing. And by the time you get to stage 20, he just doesn't have the depth of fitness because he missed time on the bike because of his injury, um, to be able to sustain Mm -hmm. that. And and so that that is that is sort of my my macro prediction for the entire tour, and so so I I do think that Tadej Pogacar is going to be impressive on stage six. I think he's going to try and and really uh, show out in stage six, but I think that's going to be to his detriment in the in the final week of the race. Okay, Pogacar's antics aside, does the general classification ride differently through a stage where there's an uphill finish versus where there's not? Like, is their job different? Do you mean you mean where it finishes on the top of a mountain or yeah. the thing about a summit finish, the thing about an uphill finish is that whatever gap you make on your competitors is the gap you're going to have at the finish line. And so an mm-hmm. uphill finish is a really golden opportunity to actually take time, put time onto your rivals in the general classification. Um, yeah. The, the, the question is always, though, particularly with the stage this early in the tour. What is what is the cost on your list? Yeah, what's what's the cost? Do yeah. you want to spend not only all of your own energy as somebody who wants to win the three-week tour, but also the energy of your team um, on winning stage six? Like, how important is that to yeah, you? Yeah, like, I would think um, that certain teams just, they're not going to, I mean, they would just, like, maybe not go as hard with mm-hmm. a summit finish, yeah. so to speak. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I have a feeling that uh, just... And Schmidt's boy is going to show out on stage six. Uh, the Mark Gover, Cavendish, Thibaut Pino. <laughs> oh, Thibaut Pino. Uh, His other okay, boy. Well, I got. I have a. I have my Thibaut Pino predictions, but I do good, think good, like good segue then, Justin Dugan, because 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 <laughs> Thibaut Pino from Groupama FDJ, who who 
was heavily profiled in the Tour de France Unchained. As soon as we said his name, I saw Michelle perk up. Uh, I didn't like him. I'm trying, oh, to, I'm trying to keep uh, Michelle engaged. um uh yeah no i but but they announced this year at grutrama ftj um they're putting uh all of their resources for general classification behind david godu who finished fourth last year um and they're just kind of letting tebow pino do his thing go out there and win stages so he he's gonna be in the break stage six and win it and he's gonna i think he will be the polka dot you think if I was Pino and it's my final tour and mm-hmm. uh, that's right. He's, he's, yeah, this is his yeah. last tour. This yeah. is his last tour. Yeah. Yeah. He's not um, going to win it. So, you know, mm-hmm. you got to have a Frenchman on the podium, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some podium. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think he's going to win polka dots. Cause I think whoever wins the yellow Jersey is going to win the polka dots in a tour like this. Um, uh, I don't think It'll be it would be romantic. Yeah, no, it would be. Um, I I think <laughs> that stage six would be a good stage for him to target and try and win because he also did the Giro. Um, and he actually rode really well in the Giro, as a matter of fact. And so he's clearly fit yeah. and in shape, but he's got to be kind of tired too, right? Um, and so I, I, I think by the time they get to the second, third week of the tour, the, the tiredness from the Giro is probably going to catch up with him a little bit and he's going to want to go home to his goats. Is um, that why the team is not like backing him, so to speak? Like, is that I, why they've shifted their focus to David? in part, but they, but they did that last year. Anyway, La- last year they went ahead and shifted yeah. over to David Godu because they thought he was just a better bet. I mean, they had been back in Thibaut Pino as their general classification rider for years and years and years, and it had gotten them one podium. Um, and so they decided it was time for a new strategy as far as the general classification went. And that paid off, I think Yeah, with, with, place, with, right? with a fourth place finish behind yeah. three great riders last year. Um, and so, yeah, um, I have David Godu on my podium for this year, mm. but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we'll talk about that later. Um, I think Thibaut Pino is a good choice for stage six. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. All right. Then a couple more stages, a flat stage seven, a flat stage eight, and then stage nine. Um, and that's nine stages in a row. The first sta- uh, uh, rest day is not until after stage nine. Um, They're finishing on top the Puy de Dome the beyond category volcano uh for the first time since 1988 and it is a monster um this is the exciting one yeah yeah this stage five six boring stage nine (laughs) (laughs) tell us how you feel about it (laughs) well like you know to like justin's point like stage six you know you have a long I thought they were finishing on the tourmalade. They're not finishing on the tourmalade. No, the tourmalade is like right in the middle of the stage. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever, you know, it's just another one of those climbs where they're just the, the finishing climb is going to be just tempo up it and mm-hmm. maybe sprint for 200 meters, but the Puy de Dome. Now that's exciting. Mm-hmm. You think, you think the, the, the GC contenders are actually going to go for it on that day. I believe that that's, I think where you're actually going to see the first the, of who, is going to, who wants to win it. That's, that's where yeah. Jonas is going to gap Tade for the first time. Possibly. <laughs> Seems likely. But it's a, they, they said it's a 13 and a half kilometer climb at an average of 7%. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and you're if gonna you have, look, yeah. you're going to have both of the big teams. I mean, yeah, I say both, but you're probably going to have everybody who's anybody with 
a train pulling them up that climb and trying to rip everybody's legs off. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that's going to be the one where, you know, four four K out. That's where that's where the bombs are going to get dropped. For um, sure. For sure. No, I, I, I think it's exciting. Um, it's funny because the Puy de Dome I, it hasn't been used since 1988. That's kind of incredible to me, actually, um, because it's such a historic climb in the Tour de France. But when you like go back and if you Google it and read all about it, it's like, oh, yeah, this was the site of the famous battle between Poulador and Anquetil. And it's like, oh, OK, it's historic, but it's like old history. It's like stuff from way back in the day. Um, and so I, I've never yeah. actually watched a stage unfold on this climb. Um, and so I'm, yeah. I'm I'm excited just to see this historic climb in action. You know, I think yeah, it's it the last part of the climb never the grade never falls below 11 percent. Yeah, that's insane. Is the volcano <laughs> active? That's also insane. So, oh, uh, I hope I hope it erupts during the stage. <laughs> They've been planning. They have a big show yeah. set up. It's going to have an eruption. Right as right as Pogacar it's gonna be, it's gonna be like, the finish. It's going to be like the volcano from Zwift in real life. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Very good. Very good. All right. So rest day after that stage nine. Um, stage... Uh, 10, 11, 12. Eh, all right. Um, and then yep. stage 13, uh, I think is super exciting. Um, stage 13, it's only 138 kilometers long. Um, it has a summit finale on the Grand Colombier, um, and it's Bastille Day. Um, <laughs> Pino's going to win that one, too. <laughs> uh, George, George, who won that state? Who won on that mountain last time? I, b- based on your tone of voice, I'm going to guess it was Tadej Pogachar. <laughs> it was Tadej Pogachar in 2020. Yes, he did. So, yeah, very his good. name is hanging up there. So, very good. Um, yeah, I don't think he'll quite implode by that point, but you know, he might. We'll see. <laughs> Um, we'll see Um, I think that's going to be an exciting stage as well Um, plenty of opportunities for you to take a little vacation there though after the the rest day 11th, 12th Mm -hmm. Um, uh, besides Thibaut Pinot so there you go Uh, besides Thibaut Pinot any other Frenchmen we think are going to get after it on Bastille Day? Bardet Roman Bardet who will have an American supporting him no less Um, so uh, and has a brand new name for his team, not just DSM, but DSM Fermanich. <laughs> uh, he's going to want to show out for his new sponsor there on Bastille Day. What exactly is that? And has Justin bought it? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, DSM Fermanich, it's yeah. actually the the company DSM has now combined with another company that does the same thing. And that's now actually the name of the new company. So they didn't bring on a new sponsor. Their sponsor actually has itself yeah. changed a little bit. Yeah. Similar yeah. ugly jersey. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't look. Same ugly jersey. Guys standing. On the okay. Well, yeah. no. Now, quick a side note. Then let's talk about some ugly and not so ugly jerseys. Um, did y'all see Astana's special jersey for the uh, for the Tour de France? No. Uh, it's pretty it cool, pretty actually. Good. I, I I like it. Astana's jersey, it's it's kind of a blue and gold kind of tie-dye look to it. Um, it's They say that it has to do with the natural resources of, of Kazakhstan, some of the natural mineral resources kind of reflecting their pride and and, and uh, some of their, their geology there. Um, there is a 
sort of white with blue that Movistar is doing uh, called they're calling the iceberg jersey. Um, and so I like, like the, that one. So, so that one's that one's kind of cool. Yeah, definitely probably cooler than the uh, the dark blue that they're accustomed to wearing there. Yeah. Um, and then Movistar's jersey looks almost identical to the special Tour de France jerseys that Bahrain Victorious is wearing, um, which they're referring to as their Pearl of the Gulf uh, uh, series. Um, and like uh, they're also they that, that light color. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um Justin Smith, any word on whether your favorite team, EF Education First, uh, is going to be having a special jersey this year? So I scoured the internet this morning <laughs> looking, and I did not see anything. So um, I, or, I don't know. Are they going to have that jersey that's got the green gremlins on the, it? The, the, yeah, I don't think so. I uh, think we would know oh, if they the, did. Pa- the Palace kit was great. I, I actually was online looking up Palace ef gear the other day and it is fantastically overpriced and (laughs) unaffordable to the layman i wanted to get some of those signature edition crocs i wanted a hoodie uh all the stuff's like 500 dollars. that kit was Uh, awesome yeah you can stop the presses michelle did you hear what justin dugan just said I'm trying to find the Crocs. <laughs> yeah. M- Michelle was so blown away by that. She didn't even comment. She just immediately went to Google to try and find the Crocs. <laughs> Crocs. Yeah. I just go. could not support that. I can't support that. <laughs> um, they had make... funky gibbets for EF2. They were awesome. Oh, they, wow. they, I had no idea they had Crocs. They do not take it serious. So, I mean, you can't say they didn't take it seriously. They won like two stages last year. Didn't they? And they've they, got a they, guy that's going to win some stages this year. Uh, is it? Is it? Who's going to win stages this year? Ben Healy? Because because he, he just uh, did no, this year. Uh, Nielsen Paulus. Nielsen Paulus, an American, one of the Americans that's riding. Yeah. I, I would like to see him win some stages. Yeah, they have. I think one of the great riders right now, one of the great new riders in Ben Healy. Ben Healy won a stage of the yeah. zero and then almost won a second stage of the zero. I think he's brilliant. Um, Prediction: uh, No stage wins. <laughs> put money on it I, I like justin inserting his predictions here i will also say this about those jerseys from last year from ef education easy post so my friend and our friend of the podcast who was on the podcast earlier this year talking about a bike race he did lee ragsdale who seems to come up so often on our podcast um actually went to a few days of the tour de france last year um, he was on Alp d'Huez the, the the day that Tom Pidcock actually won on Alp d'Huez last oh, year. Wow. Um, and so cool. um, it was super cool. And he had a great time. And he talked about how fantastic it was. His family was all with him. They all had a ball. Um, and the Tour de France, as should come as a surprise to no one, they they kind of set up all of their stuff at the finish line. But one of the sort of permanent things they set up at the finish line is a gear tent. And so you can go buy all the official Tour de France gear um, at the finish line of any stage where you happen to be, right? Um, And then among all of those various things that you can buy in the gear tents are the jerseys for every single team. Um, And so Lee went in and was looking at all the various jerseys they had and trying to think about whether he wanted to buy one. And he asked the guy who was running the tent, hey, do you have the EF Education Easy Post jersey? And the guy said, no. We've been sold out of those since the second day of the tour. They're very popular. He said they're very popular. They were dope. So point being that more people share Justin Dugan's opinion than Justin Smith's opinion. (laughs) 
<laughs> Evidently. <laughs> I think the gremlin things were better than the duck things from the year before. <laughs> oh yeah, those were. Those were <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but but we'll see. You know, they could surprise us all and indeed show up there um, on the day before or at the team presentation the night before wearing something completely bizarre. I would not. Well, don't they have to have like they have to get it approved? That's true. So yeah. we so yeah. we, we would probably know by now. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. And they typically change it up for the Juro because they wear pink jerseys and mm -hmm. they can't have their jerseys be pink, which is the same reason why Jumbo Visma has alternate jerseys for the tour. Mm. Mm. I don't like their jersey for the tour. So I haven't seen that right now. Jersey. Those guys are going to be hot and sweaty. Yeah. So I haven't actually seen Jumbo Visma for the tour. It what has do they look like, like constellations on it. Yeah, oh, I have black. seen it. Yeah, it's yeah, supposed yellow. to be black it's... with one shoulder that's gold. Yellow. It's okay. too hot. I feel like we were texting about this a few weeks ago and one of y'all said, I bet it looks better in person than it does on this picture. I feel like I heard that, right? I may have just made that up. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Do they wear the same jerseys every single day? I know if you have a, no. um, the polka dot or green or the yellow jersey, but is the team changing jerseys throughout the tour? Do you mean the style of the jersey or the actual jersey? Um, Like the, the style, like, they, they, can't they, they can't change they the can't style. change the style yeah. right in okay. fact i believe the last time that happened was the 2010 tour team was radio like shack a penalty yeah, I, was, I was gonna say it was, it was with radio they shack. Were, yeah they were yeah, radio yeah. Shack. strong jerseys yeah, yeah on the last stage they made them all they had they stopped and had to put on their yeah. regular race jerseys yeah, yeah. They they put they put on those jerseys that had the big numbers on the back for the number mm -hmm. of people that had died that had cancer around the world yeah, and like, things like that. Yeah. They, they all were like number twenty eight, I think. Or right, like right, that. yeah, and they, yeah, and they and and you would have thought there was never a bigger scandal in in all of cycling to hear Phil Liggett talking about them changing their jerseys there when that was actually happening. Um, but yeah, I remember that well. And they had to unpin their numbers and pin them yeah. onto their new jerseys and stuff. So everybody else is celebrating and doing all the things that they normally do in order to 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 get ready for that final circuit around the Champs-Élysées and, uh, and team Radio Shack is pulling over to the side of the road and taking off their jerseys. That's wild. <laughs> How many jerseys do you think each team has for its eight riders? That's a good Justin Dugan question. The, the only definitive numbers that I have on jersey quantities was, I think it was the year that Cavendish was in green and he gave, or no, it was Sam Bennett. I think Sam Bennett gave away a, a his green jersey to someone like after winning the race and then only had his skin suit because they didn't have another <laughs> green jersey or something and he had to wear the Whoops. skin suit the next day and it was like a climber's day and they had to get a new jersey printed for him um <laughs> but i think regular kit they probably have dozens of them you know ready to go because those guys are crashing falling ripping their shorts ripping their jerseys right. you know if right. a zipper breaks, it's you know they they throw those things in the in the garbage. You know if if there's a pull on them, yeah, um, yeah. And most of, most of them are measured like in you know for the big teams they're measured individually for those guys. Yeah, like they're custom yeah. sized. It's not like they're not like wearing a medium. Sam Bennett will not be at the tour this year. Um, his team, Bora Hansgrohe, uh, announced that the former green jersey winner from a few years ago um, is not going to be there. So let's see. That was 2020 when he won the green jersey. 
so in 2021, yeah. he was injured. In 2022, he was a non-factor. And now in 2023, his team's not even taking him. Um, so Sam Bennett's definitely had a hard time over the course of the past few years here, for sure. For sure. He has. Um, all right. Stage 16. Um, you have a summit finish on stage 15, then the rest day after that, after stage 15. Stage 16 is that that fairly short time trial, but it's on a rolling course and there's a cat two climb in it. Um, basically, the uh, the stage finishes with 6.3 kilometers at 6.6 average, um, which is not an unsteep climb there um, for particularly yeah. for a time trial. You have a mountainage stage 17 that goes over the Col de Lowe's. It finishes kind of near that. You have a flat stage 18, flat stage 19. You can take your vacation during that time. And then stage 20, a uh, short 132, uh, 33K uh, stage with two Cat 1 climbs on it. Um, as I said, I think this is the place where we will see Tadej Pogacar's early, valiant, unstrategic efforts derail him as... as uh, as Michelle so m- much more succinctly said there. Can we, um, can we pause here and go back to state? I, here's my gripe about this, this course this okay. year. Okay. Stage 15 and then mm-hmm. a week, 22 kilometer time trial in stage 16. You think it's going to be a week? Well, one, I wish they would stop with these short time trials. Mm. Like let's, let's do a real time trial here. You know, like the, the Lance days of like the 50, 60 kilometer time trials. I agree. Like with this cat too, and it's going to make it tough, but I just don't think 22 kilometers is going to be make that big of a difference. Not like the, the Giro's time trial. So, so, so when you said your big, your big complaint with this course, your big complaint with courses, there's not enough time trial. Well, not enough time trialing. And I feel like 15 is 16, like that type of a, back-to-back should be further down you know it should be uh, like stage 19 20 okay really build up and mm-hmm. I, I mean you know stage 20 could have some big fireworks but that's you know i i, I think that that having a course every decade or so that has hardly any time trialing in it is okay like i'm i'm not i'm not too fired up about that i do think it's an interesting point and i'm inclined to agree with you that stage 18 and 19 feels a little boring like yeah. maybe maybe just like one of those yeah, two stages. Yeah, I don't know why they're in there. Yeah, flip it, um, flip it. May, may maybe have stage stage either stage eighteen or stage nineteen, but not both of them, right? Yeah. Before that big stage twenty there, um, which is one hundred and thirty three kilometers with a category two, another category two, another category two, a category three, a category one, and another category one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's not a summit finish. Um, but it kind of might as well be, um, it flattens out at the top. So you don't descend down the overside, yeah. other side, but it kind of flattens it's like out. like 7k, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's 7k actually from the end of the official climb yeah. to the finish, but it actually keeps on going uphill even after the end of the official yeah. climb. Um, and so, so that'll be a day when, when th- there'll be some gaps on that day. Um, yeah. yeah, there'll be some gaps on that day, which I think is cool. I mean, I'm reminded of like as i as i picture stage 20 playing out in my mind the 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 vision i come back to and this is something that michelle is familiar with um is is seeing um wout van art uh leading jonas vangegaard uh and dropping tati pogachar um at the very end of last year's tour 
like that that that's my vision of how of how stage 20 is going to go and i think that we're going to kind of see a replay of that again this year why are there so few time trials this year the french don't like them because they can't do yeah. them they're not good at time trials, and so they, they never have, put and them they don't have and, good bikes so they and don't and since want, the french own know, this race all... they got rid of what they're bad at yes basically yeah 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 that sounds very french um, but but it's, it's not just French. I mean, I remember several years ago, um, the Tour de Suisse, which just ended, uh, the Switzerland Tour, uh, they really wanted their favorite cyclist, Fabian Cancellara, to win it. And so they put in a bunch of time trialing and got rid of a bunch of mountains because he was like a big time trial guy. So, I mean, you, you can you can do the same thing for your favorites in that direction if you want instead. Um, but yeah, no, engineering a course to favor some riders over other riders, that's... Uh, that's, that's cycling. Old, that's cycling. Yeah. And the most um, French thing about it is it never works. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're totally right about teams, that. <laughs> are some teams leaving a specific rider behind because there's so few time trialing opportunities? So oh, there's sure. so few additional opportunities for them to win stages. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Like like pure time trialists. Why would yeah. they go? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because 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 there are no pure time trials in this race. Yeah. Um, so I don't so, think Ineos is bringing uh, Ghana. Right, right. Why would they? I mean, he's brilliant. He's fantastic. He's a really, really good rider. But but he would have to do something really out of character, or he would have to actually be focused on like the things that are outside of his area of expertise. Right. Yeah. Um, like, why would you bring Filippo Ghana to be a mount a super domestique in the mountains? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, they haven't finalized their list. They haven't talked about who they're bringing yet, but I feel certain they're not going to bring him. Why would they? Right. You um, know, this would be a perfect tour for Roglic. He's a good time trialist. What are you talking about? He was an Olympic yeah. gold medalist in yeah, the time he's trial. Yeah, gold medalist. No, I'm talking about the entire tour. This would be a good, you know, I thought this would be a good race for him, but he'll just have to go win. I was going to say, well, he won the Spain. Giro, which is good. And he did announce that that uh, he's not going to do the world championship. Um, and he, uh, because he wor- is worried that that is going to interfere with his build for the Volta a España. <laughs> yeah. Um, it would be cool if he did the Volta a España and last year's champion, Rimko Evenepoel, decided to circle back around and do the 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 Vuelta as well so we would see essentially like a rematch of the two of them from the Giro where Remco had to leave about halfway through because he got COVID um so that would be exciting I don't think Remco is planning on racing that so probably not for the opposite reason because he wants to defend his world championship (laughs) yeah (laughs) which which I can appreciate which I certainly understand um all right we got through the course here we talked about all these various things um, Justin Schmidt has already told us who he thinks going to win on, uh, stage 21 there in, on the Champs-Élysées, that of course being Mark Cavendish. Uh, we know who Michelle wants to win on stage 21. I like Jasper the disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it that you like Jasper Phillipson from Alpes and Phoenix so much? Um, I just like that he's, I don't know. He just the stories that they said about him kind of remind me of like me as a kid in a way. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the disaster part is just like this whole sport is like built on avoiding a disaster <laughs> <laughs> literally. And they just like basically coin him as the person that's going to, you know, Jasper the disaster. So I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I thought, 
um did he have two stage wins in 22 right yes yes those episodes were awesome like they that was those, ju- just the way that he won was pretty I badass agree. so i agree um he's not like my he's not the like i don't i like him as a writer there's other guys that are like cuter or i like their sunglasses better but i like jasper as a writer <laughs> speaking of the most michelle frank's frank things that have ever been said um uh guys that are cuter with better looking sunglasses i already know who you thought was the cutest and that was garant thomas which i find striking Um, yeah he has uh, good hair and he also he He only wears good hair hair. he has the worst hair in all of cycling yeah I, I don't know if I would go with good hair. And and I would say that, that Thibaut Pino and and Primos Roglic are objectively handsome men. And so so to say that Geraint Thomas is better looking than them, that, that suggests to me that, that, that you have Those a type. Those two other two guys are way too young. <laughs> George, I've never seen you and Primos in the same room at the same time. And I did feel like there was a doppelganger-ish uh, right. uh, favorability between the two of you so maybe you're lurking could, around uh the slovenian ski slopes i, I, could, I, I could i could do worse i think i think your cycling doppelganger justin dugan is magnus court nelson okay the dane from ef education easy post hey i like the pink mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah have okay. to think about who justin smith is Hmm. Garen Thomas. <laughs> He's a striker. <laughs> Maybe I need to go back and watch more. When is the next Netflix season coming? <laughs> uh, it'll but, probably come out next June. Yeah, it'll, it'll probably be on the same timeline, right? Yeah. Can That's we, awful. Uh, circle... I don't want to wait a year. Yeah, yeah, Can we yeah, circle yeah. back to Michelle's taste in sunglasses real quick? Okay, yeah, yeah I was going to so say let's talk about sunglasses. That. Yeah, so you okay. said best sunglasses. So you, he wears you, these. You're, you're he... well known for having the worst taste in sunglasses. So I'm interested. Horrible so taste in sunglasses. But Thomas wears the half jackets. He mm-hmm. doesn't wear the big ugly things. You're right. Well, he wears the old ugly things. Yeah. Well, he's a little, he is old. Um, I felt uh, bad for those Ineos guys with those the terrible sunglasses. First this of year. all, how oh. does Justin Schmidt know about my sunglass issues? He's Every, not on our text thread. Your 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 poor taste in sunglasses is well known, Michelle. It, it's it, made it, it to it, the podcast. Yeah, it, it it goes far beyond your reputation for having bad taste in sunglasses goes far beyond your friend group. Um, what were those really? <laughs> horrible massive like, those those gooder th- those gooder sunglasses that she liked that she thought were so cool that were probably the ugliest things ever made like whoever okay. designed them well everybody knew they were ugly and we're trying to pull one over on everybody they like ski goggles know. so no, might as well have been. they're they're big they're like they're to mirror all the other big glasses oh. i did just order a pair of oakley's um and everyone is tired of me wearing gooder so i'm gonna try the expensive glasses again but they're gonna get scratched so then i'm probably just gonna go right back to gooders so. okay so to be clear though when you said the best sunglasses you don't think garrett thomas's sunglasses were the best sunglasses do you think somebody else had better sunglasses no i like his oakley half jackets okay. I, I, they, they look the least ridiculous all right Listen, I'm well aware that the such that these glasses are ridiculous, but like they have really I'm saying after a few years, you start to like want to pair yourself. (laughs) No, could you imagine like when they change out the sponsors at the beginning of the year and they bring you those sunglasses and you're like, I have to wear these. Okay, so that's the other thing is I can't really tell who that's the frustrating actually. Also, like back on our 
previous episode, I still don't understand who washes all the jerseys and all the logistics of that. And I would love to see that. But also the sunglass sponsors are very difficult for me to figure out like what sunglasses are they wearing? All right. So Michelle, I've got some information on a couple of things that you said. So (laughs) we'll jump back to the laundry and the Ineos Grenadiers were the first team to have separate washing machines for every athlete in the tour. So they had eight separate washing machines and they washed all of their kit separately so they didn't infect each other's clothes every day of racing. So that was an innovative (laughs) thing. Yeah, that uh, that was kind of neat. And also, Garen Thomas is not wearing the half jackets anymore. He is wearing 3D printed sunglasses from a company called We Are Sun God. And they are even uglier than the old. <laughs> okay, but that just happened this year. Previously it did. wore. So, um, that just we are Sun year. God. Is, so, uh, cyclists have independent brand. sponsors. That is, that is a like, new change. Something like sunglasses would be each person's individual sponsor. So it depends on the team. Depends on the team. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Depends on the so, team. So, so they they all obviously have the same kit sponsor. They all obviously have the yep. same bike sponsor. They all obviously have the same wheel sponsor. But when it comes to smaller bits like that, like shoes and like sunglasses, um, those sorts of things can be personalized. Um, the helmets are all the same, though, aren't they? Helmets are the same, yeah. Um, and then sometimes Except you have for the athletes that are sponsored by ah, Red Bull, right. and then they can have a same oh, helmet yeah, but with so a Red cool. Bull logo. Right, right. Yeah. So, they, so they have, they have a brand of helmet, but it's just painted differently, right? Yep. Yeah, well, Red yeah. Bull puts their logo on it. So. Right, right. Um, and then I remember a few years ago, um, like Julian Alaphilippe wore a ridiculously expensive watch during one of the stages of the Tour de France. Do you yeah. remember? It wasn't that? like, yeah, it's like two hundred fifty thousand, wasn't it? Yeah, seems uh, likely the watch thing. would be destroyed in a crash. <laughs> right, right. it's a very no French thing. Very French. Right, but but that's a good example though, and so so. Uh, that watch manufacturer will get a shot of of Julian Alaphilippe wearing, you know, taking a turn, um, yeah, rolling and you can around see the watch a, on yeah, and you can see the watch on his arm, and and that is a a pretty solid thing that is solely for him. He's a handsome man as well, even though he wasn't all that much in Unchanged since they left him off the team last year. Um, <laughs> all right, so we've already talked a little about the favorites here. We talked about Jonas Vingegaard uh, from Jumbo Bisma from Denmark. Defending champion had a dominating win at um, the Criterium uh, du Dauphiné uh, recently, um, and of course the other favorite being Tadej Pogačar from UAE Tim Emirates, the Slovenian uh, winner in 2020, winner in 2021, uh, but crashed this year at Liège Bastogne Liège was having a brilliant spring. Um, uh, did something that we haven't seen a lot of Tour de France riders do um uh over the course of the last several years and that is uh competed near the front and even won some of the classics this spring including my favorite the tour of flanders um but crashed at liege best on liege broke his wrist and so has only raced uh once very recently uh since that time um uh is anybody going to challenge them y'all no i don't think so no um in fact it's pretty weak field this year so it's beyond those two beyond those two yeah yeah beyond yeah. the beyond the top two guys it's it's kind of not very compelling for a challenger but does does that make the tour less exciting for you guys like do you wish that there were more people that could really challenge 
or are you just excited to see which one of them beats I, I, the other one? I, I, I would like to see more that really challenge. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think there are some potential challengers. Um, you know, I mentioned, we mentioned Deva Godu before from Guprama FTJ, who's featured heavily in the, the Netflix show uh, from France, finished fourth last year. Um, uh, highest finish that France has had in a while. Um, you have Jai Henley from Bora Hensgroa, who is from Australia, uh, won the zero last year. Um, he has not looked to be in great shape this year. Um, but you know, he could show up and be at his very best on day one of the tour and could surprise some people. Um, you have the Olympic gold medalist, Richard Carapaz from Ecuador, um, an EF education, easy post, um, Enric Mass from Spain and from Movistar, uh, Mikhail Landa from Bahrain, victorious in Spain and Matias Skilmos, who just won the tour de France at age or tour de Swiss, uh, at age 22, uh, here in his first tour. Um, from Denmark, representing the newly branded team, not Trek Segafredo, but Trek Lidl, Trek Lidl. Um, the grocery store has come on as a title sponsor of that team here just in time for the Tour de France. So they're going to have new jerseys. Is um, it Lidl or Lidl? I don't know. I, I just said both of them because I don't know. I think it's Lidl. But <laughs> it's a great it's grocery store, by the way. So yep. It's, it's kind of like an Aldi kind of real stripped down type grocery store, right? I love it. It's in and out. It's fast. They have good salmon. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Good sandwich. Bring bags good and bring a quarter for the shopping cart. Yeah. Oh, is it one of those? Well, no, you can pay for <laughs> a paper bag. <laughs> so much for Justin Smith cheering for Matias Skilmos. <laughs> yeah. He has to pay a quarter at, at Lidl slash Lidl. Uh, you know, yeah. he definitely doesn't I'm want out. that guy to win. Um, any any of these any of these guys have a chance? No. <laughs> I mean to be a to make third place yeah okay you forgot uh, another one bardet. bardet so roman bardet we mentioned him before from from uh team dsm nope. Fermanich. um uh we'll see we'll see um but yeah i wouldn't think that he has uh, also from france also another big french hope but i wouldn't think that he has a, a real chance either um but we'll see i mean even if these guys do show up in brilliant form and get up there and mix it up and make it competitive. I would love to see that. But at this point, a week out from the tour, there's no way you can say that, that they in any way threaten the favorites. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the favorites are still very clearly the favorites. Um, And so all all those outlier guys, they don't have a deep enough roster with them to mm -hmm. control the race. Like, Mm -hmm uh uae and like jumbo does if Mm -hmm. if those guys find themselves with the yellow jersey they have a full team of you know horses at the front that can just control the pace i mean Mm -hmm. i don't i don't see any of the other teams having the firepower that those guys will have um on the the front of the race if they're protecting yellow we'll see we'll see i agree with you um a few americans in the race um so uh, Justin du- Schmidt just a second ago mentioned uh, Roman Bardet. Uh, one of his supporting cast is going to be uh, Kevin uh, Vermark, or how do you say his last name, uh, Justin Dugan? Kevin Ver- Vermeek, um, uh, the American. Yeah. Uh, he uh, rides for DSM Fermanich. Um, he crashed out of stage eight last year uh, of the tour in his debut tour, and so he's going to be back this year. Uh, Lawson Craddock, who of course made such a name for himself a few years ago when he rode virtually the entire tour with a broken scapula. 
Um, he no, uh, he's going to be back supporting Dylan Gronenwegen and Simon Yates on Team Jaco Alula. This will be his third time at the Tour de France. Um, Nielsen Palace from EF Education Easy Post, who uh, Justin Dugan mentioned just a few minutes ago. Um, is Sepp Kuss going to be there? Do we know? I, I believe he is going mm-hmm. to be there. I mean, he's... But that, he, te- that team isn't finalized, though. Yeah, yeah. Sepp Kuss from Jumbo Visma uh, played a huge role in Jonas Vingegaard winning uh, the the tour last year, but also played a huge role in Primoz Roglic winning the tour, the Giro just a month or so ago. Um, so we'll see whether Sepp Kuss is going to be there or not. I love Sepp Kuss. I think he's great. I think he's a brilliant yeah, rider. He's great. Um, yeah, I like him a lot. Um, Matteo Jorgensen from Movie Star. Not sure if he's going to be there or not. Um, we will see. Uh, Magnus Sheffield will not be there from Ineos. Brandon McNulty from UAE will not be there. Um, they are both injured. Uh, Joe Dombrowski, who rides for Astana, Kazakhstan, uh, he rode the Giro. Um, and so he's probably not going to be there as well. Um, but like we said, those teams haven't quite uh, finalized their rosters yet. So so we will see. Other people we want to talk about, we already talked about Mark Cavendish. We already talked about Caleb Ewan. You also have Dylan Grotenwagen. We talked about how there's no Sam Bennett. Uh, no Arnaud Damar from Groupama FDJ because they're throwing all of their eggs into the David Godu and letting Thibaut Pino ride what he wants to basket. <laughs> no Chris Froome. So no Chris Froome. Yeah. Uh, mm. Multi-time champion from the past who now rides for Israel Pirinitech is uh, Chris Chris Froome is not going to be there. It was announced just today, as a matter of fact. So yeah. um, what do you think about that, Justin? I mean, I'm not really surprised. Yeah. Like he, it's time to go ahead and call it a career. Well, you saw that yeah. that when they when they announced that he was he was not going to be there, he, he he, of course, said, I'm looking forward yeah. to coming back next year and being stronger than ever before in 2024. Uh, you don't think so? Uh, I believe he said that like every year the past yeah. four or five years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I, I, I like Chris Froome. I'm a Chris Froome fan, but, but the bigger issue to me is that it bums me out that his career ended the way that it did. It ended yeah. with a heavy crash, you know? Yep. And I, and I look at like Egan Bernal, um, you know, the Tour de France winner from from 2019. Um, and I worry that Egan Bernal might follow a similar path because he got so heavily injured last year. You remember in, a, in that bus yeah. crash in Costa Rica? Yeah, um, he, so, he's racing, right? He'll so be he there. He is. He is. Yeah, he's he's yeah, there. He, he probably is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, it just, you know, I don't like seeing people's well, careers ended by yeah. injury. Not um, to mention, I think. Room has got to be what 38 39 mm-hmm. so yeah it's... getting old sucks mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. i wouldn't know i wouldn't know <laughs> uh, justin dugan said said i look like primos ruglet so I'm, I'm gonna take that with me yeah for at least another few years do you um, think he runs like you too so he probably runs faster than I do. Some of um, those guys run crazy fast. So speaking speaking of people who are good fast runners, uh, Michael Woods is going to be the headliner of the Israel Premier Tech team uh, rather mm-hmm. than Chris Froome. They said they're targeting stage wins uh, rather than targeting an overall general classification. And Michael Woods is a brilliant uh, runner and bike rider, of course. We all are mentioned- the guy that ran the 13-minute 5K? Was that uh, him? Like No, that, wasn't that Tom Pitcock? Yeah, well, I know Tom, Tom Pitcock ran a fast one, but I thought somebody else ran a crazy fast one as well. I thought, I, I, I thought it was Tom Pitcock who, who who ran really fast and said, 
said something to the effect of, oh, my friends told me that running this, you know, 14, 10, 5K was really good or something like that. No, wasn't wasn't he like, I just ran like a 1240 and then it ended up being that he was like a yeah. half a mile short. Something, something like that. Short. It was something yeah. like that. But, but, I, but, I, but I, I remember, I remember in that um, because he had, they had a video of him running. Um, and, and when he did that, they actually, some of the cycling magazines took it to Michael Woods and they said, does this guy look like he's running 1340 or whatever it was to you? And he said, no, he said, it looks like he's probably running about mid fifteens. And I, and granted, that's obviously very hard to tell what pace somebody is running by watching a video of them run. But I only mentioned it to say that Michael Woods is kind of like known as being the runner inside of the, the, the pro Peloton. Um, so, so yeah, I, I would like to see him do well. Um, but, but we'll see. Um, we mentioned Benny M. Gernay. Um, uh, we mentioned Jasper Phillipson. Um, Jasper and, the disaster. Uh, uh, yes, indeed. I mean, uh, he said his goal was to get rid of the nickname. So it'll be interesting to see if he's achieved that. But, but, but they, but they call him that because he does things like forgets his shoes. Yeah, right? I know. Or, That's the funny part. The second place. Yeah, yeah. That like, was crazy, by the way. Right, exactly. Yeah, celebrating second place of what was that stage five, stage six last year. I mean, year? he's just in his yeah, he's so. in his own world. Yeah. What what he kind of reminds me of is like Animal from the Muppet Show. You know, he's kind of like that. <laughs> um, but but uh, and then last person that we have to mention that came up once that we haven't mentioned is of course Matthew Vanderpool. So Matthew Vanderpoel, of course, from from Alpacin Phoenix, um, who was a sensation in 2021, was brilliant in 2021, wore the yellow jersey for several days um, and really uh, animated the first week of the tour in 2021, was then completely invisible in 2022. Um, mm -hmm. And in fact, the Netflix episode that was so heavily focused on Jasper Philipson was all about how Jasper Philipson was plan B. I want to say that was even the name of the episode. Because plan A for that team was supposed to be Matthew Vanderpool, um, and uh, and he was just quiet last year. He was he was uh, tired or out of shape or just one way or another not ready to start the Tour de France. Seems to be in a better place this year, Justin Dugan. Uh, yeah, he seems to be looking pretty good, and I I hope he has a great tour because he's he's one of my favorite guys to watch. He's one of the most exciting. Uh, if Michelle is looking for the uh, all handsome team, he's probably one of the best looking guys. Uh, and he's uh, a pretty tall fella, too. Some of these cyclists might shock you with how small they are. Uh, he is a tall drink of water. I think you have just hit on the perfect thing. Michelle Frank, at the end of this Tour de France, we are going to ask you for your all star team. Who would be the eight people that you would put on a team? I can handle that. I think you can. And, and uh, can you... we get Michelle's doppelganger list too? So absolutely. <laughs> From the women's tour, hope I hope. Uh, so absolutely. Um, Michelle well. will need to make sure you watch the time trial stage because right before all of them go off, they have them posing on the screen right above the start line. So mm -hmm. without the helmet, no sunglasses, so you can see how handsome they are. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes absolutely. they do little dances. <laughs> You know what, I'll, Justin uh, Smith? I'll be as sure I'm to looking check at that you, one out. What day is I'm that again? So, 16? So that's day 16. 16. Yeah, after the okay. after the, the second rest day. As I'm looking at you, Justin Smith, you have a bit of, of Julian Alaphilippe in you. Yeah, oh, I can see that. Oh, for goodness sakes, guys. Yeah. Helmet and sunglasses? I, none of you look like any I of them. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, all right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on board with it. Now, as I said, I think he's a handsome man. So you might need I to still had up. a helmet. 
you you need to you need to grow out that that goatee a little bit more, Justin Smith. And and you're gonna work on it. Yeah, you should. I'm gonna go. I, uh, if I had a helmet, I'd go to helmet and <laughs> put it on, and we can really see. While we're bragging about our various uh, uh, non-connections to the Pro Peloton, you all know what Bout Van Art's son's name is, don't you? George. It's George. Of Every course. time George asks this question, the answer is just George. There's no. It doesn't matter who it is. It could be some girl that they named George, and the answer is George. Yep. <laughs> all right. Um, last couple thoughts here. Um, uh, Uno X is going to be there, that Scandinavian team. Six guys from Norway, two guys from Denmark, uh, making their tour debut, led by Alexander Kristoff. Um, their most compelling rider is actually a guy probably who's making his tour debut named Tostin Trayan, I want to say his name is. Um, he beat testicular cancer last year. So wow, pretty cool. Um, so a name to watch for. And certainly if he ends up uh, anywhere near the fronts of any of the stages, he is going to be a sentimental favorite. All right, predictions. Bicycling Magazine actually asked ChatGPT what their prediction was, and ChatGPT wrote back, quote, a newcomer will surprise everyone and claim the yellow jersey. In a shocking turn of events, a previously unknown rider will emerge as a dominant force and secure the coveted yellow jersey at the 2023 Tour de France. This underdog's extraordinary performance will captivate fans worldwide. Wow. That's a, Do we have a name or no, that's it? That is that's just, it. Can we can we just not give that, that so much a, credit? That is a Pass. bold prediction from the AI. <laughs> <laughs> My predictions are not nearly that bold. Um, uh, uh, give us your podium, Justin Dugan. Uh, obviously, I'm going to lead it off with Pogi on top. Um, you think he reclaims? I think he I think he reclaims, and I think he does it dominantly. I think he. Hmm um goes and and lets everybody know hey guys remember the spring classics uh <laughs> i'm still that guy um i i think he's going to dominate the tour um hopefully he has learned some things and he is not that uh that cowboy of a rider that you seem to think he is where all he does is go off and do foolish things <laughs> and uh he still might because uh i've said it before when that guy's in a bike race he wants to race his bike he doesn't like sitting behind seven other guys and slowly going up a mountain he wants to race anybody um i think jonas has the best opportunity to be second place um you know jumbo jumbo is a, an amazing team i think they're going to back him pretty well mm -hmm. the only thing that i think that's going to come into play with that team is they're going to be riding all the guys that got crashed out of the juro team are going to be on the tour team because they pretty much had to just swatch switch groups last minute so i don't know if he has as much time training with those guys i don't know if that's going to be a factor or not but hmm. to me uh i feel like that's a good enough thing to bank on right. um and third place third place is a grab bag of a bunch of b-listers uh <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to sound so dismal, everybody. Um, but if I had to give it to somebody, I would love it to go to like Richard Carapaz or uh, Danny um, Martinez. I think those guys are charismatic. I think they're good, uh, good in the mountains. There's not a lot of time trial, so it's not going to hurt them mm -hmm. too too much. Um, and those guys can put a little pizzazz in the the mountain stages. Danny Martinez from Ineos, a, a name we hadn't mentioned till just now. So very good, very good. Justin Smith, who's your podium? Okay, so um, I feel like every time I, the last three, every tour 
preview we do, I always get that first place wrong. Yeah, well, Primo is racing this year, so it's okay. I know, I know. Like he was my number one last year, and then the first year that Pogachar won, we laughed and said that uh, who's this guy that Justin was talking about? Um, but I have Pogachar winning, Vinegar second, and like Justin says, it's kind of up in the air. But I have Henley. All right, in third. All right. Very good. Jai Henley in third. Um, Michelle. Take it to the bank. Take it to the I bank. need another year of following the sport or maybe one more uh, Netflix season before I feel like I can pick a podium. <laughs> so for now, I'm just going to go with whatever Justin Dugan said. All right. So so Justin Dugan said said Tati Pogachard for the win, easily for the win, for the de- dominating win. Uh, Jonas Vingegaard for second and... I've already forgotten who your third placer was, Justin Dugan. Uh, <laughs> oh, D- Danny Martinez, Martinez or Richard Carapaz. Yeah. yeah. One of those, okay. Either one of the two, interchangeable. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say that Jonas Vingegaard is going to win. Um, I think that that hard first bit means you have to show up in shape. I think he is in shape. I think he is going to be more patient and more strategic than Tadej Pogachar. I think Tadej Pogachar is going to feel as if he has something to prove. I think he's going to want to race against those spring classic guys like Vanderpool and and Van Art um that that he raced against in the spring. Um and I think that's going to tire him out and he's going to be empty by stage 20. Um so I'm going with Jonas Vingegaard. Um likewise I think that means that Pogachar just drops off the podium entirely. I'm going with second place as David Godu and wow. third place as Jai Henley. Wow. All right. So that's we will, bold. So it is indeed bold and it is probably foolish. But we will see. Let, let me ask you, you you really think a broken wrist is is would set him that much back? Because he could still be on the trainer. So I don't you think know. he was. Yeah, he took Well, he, he said he had planned anyways to mm-hmm. to take a breath. You know, obviously this is what mm-hmm. they say after mm-hmm. the fact, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. um Yeah. I mean I I think that that um yeah, I think he missed training, and I think more than that, he probably missed a lot of racing. Um, I think yeah. that, that that he probably, I, I think he's one of these sort of old school type cyclists who who gets a lot of fitness from racing, um, and not having raced because his his wrist was messed up, um, yeah. which was the right call, um, means he's going to be a little bit low on the fitness. Um, I could be totally wrong about that, but of course we'll see, uh, and we'll see. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see fairly early on exactly how fit he is, and, yeah. and and it's and it's actually it's the depth of fitness too that I think he's actually lacking, right? Yeah, it's that it's that third week fitness that I think he's not going to have, um, and so, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think you combine that with with his lack of strategic skills, um, and I think that it's going to be a long stage twenty for him, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, he, he was out there winning Zwift races. <laughs> Tati Pogacar was? Yeah. No, he wasn't. How do you know? So because I ride Zwift. He was yeah, on Zwift. I don't think he's on there. Yeah, he's not you on don't Zwift. know that. No, he's he, not on Zwift. He could be on as another name. No, definitely not. So I mean, there's the same reason why so many people, including Justin Dugan, like him is because he's not down for all this stuff like Zwift. He's like old school. 
Yeah. Right? You know, I don't like, I don't kudos any Zwift stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will keep that in mind when I'm racing uh, my Zwift race tomorrow afternoon at two o'clock, Justin Smith. It will um, not get a kudos. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, um, Michelle had to go ahead and leave as soon as she gave us her non-prediction there. Uh, and so I will <laughs> thank Michelle in absentia. We appreciate her joining us here for, uh, this tour de France preview. Uh, Justin Dugan, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me, George. And thank you, Michelle. And maybe one of these days we'll get Eric on too. Uh, and he can talk cycling with us as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Justin Smith. I look forward to the next time I see you. Hopefully it won't be during a marathon, but if it is, I'll take it. Thank you, George. Looking forward to next year. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasant podcast, on Twitter at pleasant podcast, on Instagram at most pleasant exhaustion, we're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Be sure to share us with your friends. We're brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com. Their Twitter is at itlcoaching, and their Facebook group is facebook.com slash itlcoachingandperformance. You can find them on Instagram at itlcoaching. We're also proud to be sponsored by Elemental Altitude, Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. You can find them at ElementalAltitude.com, on Instagram at ElementalAltitude, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash ElementalAltitude. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at BluePineappleTravel.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BluePineappleTravel, or on Instagram at BluePineappleTravel. And finally, High Echelon. You can find High Echelon at HighEchelonCPA.com. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We'll see you next time.